life if we're not careful. Money can dominate. Now, I want you to understand, money is not the root of all evil. You've heard a lot of worldly people say, well, that's why the church wants some money. Money is the root of all evil. Money is never the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. Evil, And what people will do because they love money so much. But, see, money influences our life, good or bad. It, 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 I mean, it, it is a wonderful servant, but it is a cruel master. Money can be used for good things. Uh, it, it can be used for bad things. And we spend an awful lot of our time in life thinking about it, working for it, earning it, uh, studying it, saving it, hopefully investing it, all of these things. You see, but if we don't learn how to manage money, money will manage us. You see, now this weekend we're going to talk about a story here, and I'm going to read this story in, um, in just a moment, and we're going to put the NIV version up. But I, I want to read this story uh, out of Luke 16, and it is the most misunderstood story that Jesus ever told. Now, if you really want to get people ruffled up and riled up, talk to them about their money. Man, they, they, they don't care. You can even talk about their girlfriend. You can talk about their mama. But, man, if you get around their wallet, they will knock you out. Are you with me? Say amen. So Jesus told a story, and let me just read this story, and I'm going to read most of it, and then I'm going to try to start explaining it, and hopefully I can tie it up in the next couple of hours. So Jesus said, there was a rich man who enlisted a manager to take care of his property. Wording's going to be a little bit different. I'm using it a little bit different here. But the manager was accused of wasting his master's possessions. So the owner called him one day and he said, now I want you all to understand something. We're talking about an owner and then we're talking uh, uh, about a manager. In other words, uh, you know, I own the little bit of money that I have at Ameris Bank, but I allow them to manage it for me. You know what I'm saying? To, to uh, you know, if a check comes, what is a check? I don't even know what a check is. If a debit comes through, they honor that or, or whatever. So they sort of manage it, but they don't own it. So this manager was accused of wasting his master's possessions, and the owner called him one day, and he says, I want you to watch this. He said, you must give me an account of your stewardship. In other words, how you've taken care of my possessions. And report what all you have done with that I've entrusted you because your time as a manager's ending. Uh-oh. He said, you know, so, and the manager thought within himself, what am I going to do now? <coughs> I'm losing my job, and watch this. I'm not strong enough to dig ditches, and I'm too proud to beg. Y'all didn't know the Bible said stuff like that, huh? He said, I'm not strong enough to dig ditches, and I'm too proud to beg. He said, I know what I'm going to do so that after I lose my job, I'll have plenty of friends to take care of me. He said, so he called in everybody that owed his master some money, and he asked the first man, he said, how much do you owe my master? And he said, well, I, I owe, uh, uh, you know, 100 gallons of oil or 900 gallons uh, of olive oil. And he replied, okay, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tear up that bill and write another one. And on this other bill, I want you to write down that you owe 450 In other words, let's cut it in half. Hey, this is between me and you now. We're not going to tell the owner nothing about this. This is between us. And then he went to the next one. He said, he found another debtor. He said, how much you owe? And he said, I owe 1,000 bushels of wheat. And he says, okay, I want you to change that. And he said, uh, I want you to write down that you owe 100, I mean, excuse me, uh, 800 bushels of wheat. And so, um, and then somehow, I want you to understand this, um, the manager said, okay, I'll change the bill to 800 so he changed it. And then when the master, that is the owner, heard the dishonest manager had done, he learned about this, how he's undercut him. He's told people to cheat him. He still praised him. 
for his shrewdness. He still praised him. Now, I want you to understand, please don't, understand, don't think that Jesus is applauding dishonesty. He's not. He's taking a crook in a story and making this crook the hero based on what he did in planning ahead. And what he was saying was, and the reason he's, he's, he's telling this story is he's talking to the Pharisees, and I'll get to that in just a moment. Strange story. I want you to notice what he said in verse number 9. He says, in verse number 9, he gives us a little bit of insight, and he says, use your worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. What? It's even getting weirder, right? Use your worldly wealth to gain some friends for yourselves. And let me explain that. He says, so that when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Now, of course, he's talking about heaven right there. Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much, and whoever's dishonest with little will be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, uh, who's going to trust you with some riches, some real riches? Let me help you out right here. If you can't be faithful to God with $10 a week, you wouldn't be faithful to God with $10,000 a week. He says, now, uh, if you've not been trustworthy with somebody else's property, who's going to give you your own property? Watch this. No servant can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, I want you to understand something. He, he doesn't say that you should not serve God and money. He said you cannot serve God and money. So with that, then you have to make a decision what you're going to do. What's going to be number one in your life? So, um, um, so I want you to know you can learn from everybody. Somebody says, well, I don't understand why Jesus would tell a story of, of this dishonest manager and then use that to teach me something. Did you know you can learn something from people that you don't agree with? Now, you might not agree with me saying that you can learn something from people that you do not agree with. But let me help you out for just a moment. Uh, have you ever disagreed with your wife or your husband? But yet you have learned something from them along the way. Let me ask you this. If you had a brain tumor and you had to go to a surgeon in the morning to examine you to see if he could remove this brain tumor, I doubt that your first question would be, did you do a Bible study this morning before you got to work? Did you attend church yesterday and where? I, I doubt these would be your questions. You would probably say something like, have you ever done this before? Huh? Is this your first rodeo with opening somebody's skull and taking a mass out? You, you know, you, he might be cheating on his wife the night before, but if he can remove that brain tumor from your head, you're going to say, sign me up, doc. I don't agree with your lifestyle, and I'm praying for you, and I'm asking God to, to heal your mind and your soul and all of that, but try to help uh, heal me right now, right? So you can learn something from somebody who's dishonest. You can learn what not to do. Jesus didn't praise the fact that the guy was a, uh, a thief and that he was cheating people. And, and this right here, you know why it bugged the Pharisees? Because the Pharisees were all about money. I mean, they were incredibly arrogant. They were not humble. They were incredibly prideful and self-righteous and judgmental. And they always looked down their long nose at somebody else. And they were the religious people of the day. That's why Jesus had more trouble with the church than he did the world. The world flocked to him. 
You know, the, the harlots, the prostitutes, the wine-bibbers, uh, all of those people that needed Jesus, they flocked to him and they heard his message and they were healed and changed while the church stood aloof and said, we never saw it on this wise. Are you with me? Say amen. And if we're not careful, we fall into that. But, you know, uh, Jesus used this shocking story. And let me read to you what he says the Pharisees dearly loved money. And so when they heard this, uh, they heard that Jesus said this, they made fun of him. But Jesus told them, you're always making yourselves look good, but God sees what's in your heart. You know what he was in essence saying? You hypocrite. At one time he said, you make the outside of the cup look pretty but inside is still nasty he said it's like a whited sepulcher in other words a grave he said y'all clean up the outside and put flowers around it make it look all pretty but inside it's still just dead men's bones amen Jesus would tell the Pharisees he said you say you love me with your lips but your heart is far from me he, he couldn't stand the hypocrisy of saying one thing and doing something else, and that's what they did. And I need to move on. So, so listen, what we think matters so much, and, and God said to them, let me read that last part. He said, the things that most people think are the most important are worthless as far as God is concerned. Wow. I believe that would be worth saying again. The things that most people think matter, God says they don't even matter at all. Wow. You know, what do we, we think possessions. We think cars and land and houses and deeds and titles and money and lust and sex and status and popularity. These things really matter to us, and God said, they don't bother me at all. Don't, they don't matter to me as much as you think they are. That is not as important. Let me take you to our, to our uh, pinnacle verse. It comes out of Romans chapter 12. It says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. But let Jesus transform the way you think. Huh? Let God transform us. In other words, we are not to be conformists like water, just sort of conforming to whatever the least path, least path of resistance, but we are to know the Word of God and walk in that way. I, I promise I'm getting to our finances. I need to move on. So uh, the second reason, uh, I mean, th th this, this story was so rabid. It was so counterculture. You see, what God has to say about money is the exact opposite of what the world says about money. And everything else for that matter. You know, if someone smacks you on this side of your face, you want to ball your fist up and knock them out. That's just human nature. I mean, he, I mean the spiritual side says, you know, uh, dear brother, I love you. But the physical side of you bows right up and says, hey, man, you know. So, you know, but Jesus said if someone smites thee on one side, turn the other cheek. I told my son that one time, my youngest boy, and he said, I ain't got but two. <laughs> Amen. So, anyway, um, you understand, we, he said if a soldier makes you carry his rucksack a mile, when you get in the mile, you ask him, would you like me to go another? See, it runs counterculture. See, and, and here's the thing. Most of the time, I hate to say this, but many, many of God's people are very poor managers when it comes to our money. It is really quiet. Many of us are not that good at managing our money. We don't have any savings account. We're living from hand to mouth. And if we don't get paid next month, we will be bankrupt the following. God is not pleased with that. 
That shows no preparation on our part. Listen, you say, well, the rapture's taking place. I understand that, and I'm ready to go, and when it happens, you can have everything I got at Amaris if you're here. But I'm going. I, you see, money, I mean, it's temporary. It's fleeting. I, I, I mean, the American government wants to even remind you there's an eagle on every dollar. Are you with me? It lets you know that it'll fly away quickly. It don't hang out long. Amen. Some of y'all know you got your tax return last week, and it is already gone. Some of the things you earmarked to do, you, you didn't get them done with it. You know why? It, it slipped right through your fingers. Some of you said, well, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And if you didn't write it down and immediately allocate it, it gets gone. You're speaking to someone who's been there and done that. So listen, uh, but living from hand to mouth, living beyond your means. We don't even live and say, well, as soon as I get the money, I'm going to pay for it. We charge it now and hope we can pay for it. Are y'all hearing me? Let me just move on. I need, to, I need to get to four things that you need to understand about money. And then uh, first, first of all, four things that you don't do with money. And then I'd like to, if I may, tell you five things that you ought to be doing with money. But let's talk about the four that, that you never do with money. Number one, don't waste it. Don't waste it. This story, this shrewd manager was accused and fired for wasting his manager or his, uh, the owner's money. Don't waste your money. You see, if I walk around saying it's my money, it's my money, it's my money, I do what I want to with it. And you say, well, I made it. Really and truly, the truth is, it's God's money. If you're a Christian, I don't have any possessions. It's God's money. It's God's car. It's God's house. It's God's trailer. It's God's talent. It's his skills. Everything I have, it ain't mine, it's his. I'm just a steward. I'm just placed in charge. Listen, whatever you got uh, is loaned to you for 70 or 80 years or maybe a little more, a little less. And it, 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 it was loaned to somebody else before you, and it'll be loaned to somebody else after you. It's not yours. You don't own it. All we do is steward it. Whatever I have, God's just given me. And listen, when he, uh, he, he will test us, and we'll talk about that in a moment, and then that determines how much more I get to steward. But so don't waste it. It's not yours. It's God's. Next of all, don't love it. Don't ever love anything that cannot love you back. Money will not embrace you. Money will not love you back. Look, hey, love God. Love your neighbor. Love your dog. But don't love money. So money, don't love it or live for it. Don't love it. Don't live for it. Money will let you down. Let, let me go on. He said, no servant can serve two masters. He'll either hate one, love the other, love, or be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. Did you hear me? I said, the heart of the problem is the problem with our heart. Amen. For where our treasure is, that's where our heart is also. You show me two documents. Show me, uh, now it's not your checkbook because nobody cares them anymore, but show me your bank statement where all your debits are done, and I'll show you, where you what you love. You know, uh, if you love pistachio ice cream, I'm going to see you at the ice cream store all the time. Man, I just love that. I just love golf. I just love skydiving. I just love roller skating. Whatever it is, you're there because you love that. 
Well, I ought to see as well the house of the Lord. World missions, the orphans, children. Are y'all with me? Say amen. People that can't pay me back. So see, you've got to choose what's going to be number one in your life. Money cannot be number one in your life and God number one in your life. I'm getting quiet again. So don't waste it. Don't love it. Next, don't trust it. Don't trust money. He said, what am I going to do? I'm losing my job. Your income could be gone tomorrow. Don't trust it. Don't waste it. Don't love it. Don't trust it. If you put your security in money, it is fleeting. It goes away fast. Don't put your money in things like that. Don't put, even put your money in your appearance. Man, when I came to Kingston 21 years ago, I looked a lot better than I look now. It's a matter of opinion, I guess. But nonetheless, honey, you know, the smooth skin one day is going to give way to some wrinkles. Gravity is going to keep pulling until wrinkles develop. Are y'all with me? And, and then as time would have it, one day gravity is going to win. But we could lose our looks. We could lose our security. We, we could lose our marriage even. We, we could lose our health. We could lose all of these things. So don't trust it. If you really want to be secure, the center of your life has got to be built around something that you could never, never lose. And that is I could never lose my relationship with Jesus Christ as long as I'm true to him, as long as I don't walk out. I'm not saying people can't backslide, but that's on you. God's never going to leave you. You see, it, it, it is something that's based on not who I am, but who he is. So, so Proverbs 23 and 5 says this, Your money can be gone in a flash as if it had grown wings and flown away like an eagle. And I told you the government put an eagle on the quarter and, you know, the dollar and let you know that, hey, here's a reminder to go quick. You better write it down, and you better allocate it. You better say what it is. Don't, so, so listen, don't, don't waste it. Don't love it. Don't trust it. And now, last but not least, it's going to shock you to no end. Don't expect it to satisfy you. People say, well, if I just had a little bit more money, I'd be happy. No, you wouldn't. You'd be just like me. I wanted to have 200 members, and we got 200. And then I wanted to see 300. And we saw three, and now i got a different motivation, don't get me wrong. It's not about the number because uh, it, it is about the souls. But, but what I'm saying is I ain't never going to be satisfied. You might as well know that. When we fill this building up, we're going to build another one. You know, when we save these children, we're going to reach out for some more. When we build this house, we'll reach out for something else. It's always going to be some kingdom work until the king sends his son to get us. But what I'm saying is we're, we're like that. We look at our retirement and, you know, 100000 just ain't enough. So we want two hundred. So we want three hundred. And then the analyst tells us we're going to have to have a half a million. And, and so we want more. And we want more. And they ask Howard Hughes, how much is enough? And he said, just a little bit more. So don't expect it to satisfy you. Ecclesiastes 5 and 10 says, whoever loves money will never have enough money. You didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? Ecclesiastes 5 and 10, whoever loves money will never have enough. And whoever loves wealth will never be satisfied with his income. They will always want more. Whoever loves wealth will never be satisfied. I don't care how much. It will be another raise and another raise and another. We're never satisfied regardless what we have. You see, your self-worth has no connection whatever to your net worth. Did you hear me? You are valuable not because you have a skill set. You're valuable not because you have a fat bank account. But you are valuable because you are made in the image of God. And he didn't make any junk. And he cares about you. And he wants you to live good in this life. 
Amen. Do not conform to the way the world thinks, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So then there's some things I need you to understand. Uh, and I don't know if I'll get to them, but, uh, but I'll at least throw it out there to you. Uh, uh, every day I need to remember that everything belongs to God. All of my stuff is God's stuff. I don't have any stuff. It's all God's stuff. Amen. It, it's his. I don't really own anything. It is on loan to me. I'm in management. You are in management. And let me say this. I get to manage my time. I get to manage my talent. I, I, I choose if I'm going to practice or not. I choose if I'm going to be here at the church or not. I choose if I'm going to bring an offering for the orphans or not. I choose if I'm going to give or go to Guatemala. And you're in management too. And I want to tell you something. You and I often most always do whatever we want to do. Amen? We make provision for the flesh, if you will. So, um, but, but if you understand that, that God owns it all, and, you know, it's really not your car, it's God's. It'll change the way you think about it. What do you mean? Well, just suppose you leave church and all of a sudden, bam, somebody is, it's a fender bender. And ordinarily, if it was your car, you'd say, oh, man, somebody just now crashed my car. But now you can say, God, what, what are you going to do about your car? <laughs> it's all banged up. I'm, you know, you want me to drive around with a banged up car or you want me to fix it? You want me to call the insurance company or what? It's yours. I can drive with the dent or I can have it pulled out. I, I can have it fixed or whatever. But, Lord, it's truly your car. And God says, well, fix it. Okay, well, let's fix it. But we don't get all hyped up about temporary things that's going to go away, that's going to fleet away anyway. So here's the point. If I'm in charge and everything's mine, then I, I'm the one got to fund it all. I, I've got to fix it all. If the kids need braces, oh, my Lord, I got four children. All of them got crooked teeth. I'm going to be a poor old broke man. But if I say, God, your children need some teeth work, <laughs> you know, I mean, they represent you, Lord, uh, and they're yours, and they belong to you, and you gave them to me, and I'm just managing this thing. So if you'll allocate the money, I'll put it over there for them. You see, that's how it is. So let me ask you this. Since God owns it all and you say you're a Christian, how are you taking care of God's property? How well are you taking care of God's property? So let me say this. What about your time? Are you honoring God with your time or you show up on C&E? That's Christmas and Easter. Are you honoring God with your service? Someone said, well, Pastor, I'm here. I know it. But how many people have we reached out to? How many people have we served or done anything for? So what about our opportunities? What about in my mind? What about my talents? What about this? You see, God uses money, if you will. And we need to understand that we, it's not ours, it's his. It, it's loaned to us. And, and secondly, God is using money to test me. You've got to understand that. I want you to get that. I believe that's part of your outline. God is using money to test me. He gives you a $100 bonus to see if you pay tithe on it. He'll let you see somebody drop $20 to see if you'll just pocket it and walk on. Or if you say, excuse me, ma'am. You just dropped $20. It's getting quiet again. Hello? 
God wants to see how faithful. And let me say this. We cannot be trusted with deeper things. God don't do social promotions. He don't promote you to the third grade if you fail the second grade. He don't put you up higher in management like some businesses do and some church organizations do. Your way to the top is mess up. You can't do a greater one. I've seen that kind of foolishness, and it's stupid. God don't do it. You see, um, but, but if we're not even managing what God has given me well, how do I expect God to give me more? But I want to tell you something. If you're faithful to God, hey, by the way, did you know inside your, um, inside your uh, envelope there, there is a, uh, there's a tithe challenge card there, and you can use that, and we, I'll be receiving the offering here in a little bit. You can uh, fill that out if you want to. But I want to tell you, there's benefits in serving God. Did you know that? My wife, uh, a couple of weeks ago, had had some teeth work done. She needed a couple of crowns, and I was trying to tell her, you're going to get a crown of life one day if you live right, but uh, she needed some crowns on her teeth, and uh, nonetheless, the doctor said, well, she needs a root canal first in one of these over here, and I said, okay, so we got to go to a specialist. We go to a specialist. You know insurance ain't worth a flip no more, so they said, well, sorry, Miss Sainz, your insurance don't cover no specialists. So, okay, well, how much root canal? A little over $1,000. So, well, you know, money grows on trees, so... Uh, $90 for the evaluation, so they say, yeah, you need a root canal, and uh, $90, please. And um, so, so um, we're going to give you a 25% discount, Pastor, because your insurance, you know, ain't going to pay, and so 25% to help you. It's going to cost you $760-something next week when we do it. I said, okay, we got to do it. She's in pain, so we come. He goes into the root canal, and, and long story short, it takes three hours eventually to do two because he got there, took this crown off, a nerve is exposed. He said, man, I hate to say this, and it, it's not about money, but sooner or later that next one has got to have a root canal too. I said, hey, Doc, while you're there, man, just go ahead and do it. And uh, Kelly's like, oh, you know. And, uh, but I'm like, get on with it, man. They, I mean, it, it, she already had to take two Valium last night, two Valium this morning. I, I can't go through this again. So, so, so nonetheless, long story short, when he got done, he said, Pastor, I believe you, you did the right thing. I had a harbor shirt on. We was talking about Guatemala. He said, hey, my associate is, is a missionary too. And so we got ready to leave. And let me tell you, here's the benefit and the favor of God because I'm a tither. I'm a giver. I said, well, well Doc, um, let me share something with you. I said, my insurance ain't worth a flip. I said, so when I leave here today, I'm going to pay 100% of this bill in cash today. All of it. And so... Now that we've had to do two, I'm just going to ask you to give me the best break that you can. He just sort of said, winked at me and said, I'll take care of you. Don't, don't worry about it. I said, okay, praise the Lord. I didn't know. I'm thinking, well, he's going to knock off $100, $200 or something. He shook my hand. I got out there to pick up the meds and all that and pay up. The girl said, you know, Dr. Brito, I'm going to say doctor who has been pretty, uh, whatever doctor that is, has been pretty generous and he's only going to charge you for the first root canal, not for contouring the gums, not for the second one. You say, well, wait, 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 wait. That's the way God blesses. It's not always somebody walked up and handed me $1,000, but he just gave me $1,000 worth in a bill that I didn't have to pay. And I'm faithful to him, and I'm thankful. So listen, money shows what I love the most. Money, it shows people what I love the most. So how do you, how do you spell love? You wonder? It's G-I-V-E. 
God so loved the world, his was G-A-V, that he gave. So when we love somebody, when we say, we, you, listen, brethren, you have told that girl, I love you, I love you, and she's saying, well, spell it R-I-N-G. Buy me a ring. Huh? In other words, give. Do something that, that expresses that. And that's the way it is. You spell love by giving. Listen, here's what Jesus said in Matthew 6. Don't store up treasures here on the earth. Instead, store up treasures in heaven. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. I, I want you to understand something. When you begin to invest in something, it matters. Let me say this. So, so probably none of you care if Microsoft makes it or not. But if all of a sudden a rich uncle left you a pile of money and you bought $3 million worth of stock in Microsoft, I guarantee you every day you'd be looking at the business news to see what Microsoft is doing. Why? Because you're invested. And all of a sudden when you invest into the kingdom of God, you get concerned about the kingdom of God. So money shows what I really trust you remember the story? I wish I had time to tell you the story of when, when Elijah was going through the countryside there and there was a woman there and she, um, she was gathering sticks to cook one last meal for her son and then they were going to die. And, and the prophet of God says, would you make me a cake first? How audacious is that? How, how uncool and unclassy is it for the man of God to ask for the last cake? Just like a preacher, huh? That's the way we think. That's the way the world thinks. Did you know what everything the harbor does? We, we do so many things to run counter to the thinking of the world. That's why we give people stuff the first three times they get here. That's why we support orphans. That's why we put $15,000 in Camden County. That's why we're building a house in a third world country. Why? We want the world to know it is not about you just giving, giving, and giving, giving to us to embolden our kingdom. But it is about him and his kingdom. So how do you think and how do you see and use money? If you trust your money, Proverbs eleven twenty eight 28 says, you will fall. But if you trust God, you will flourish like a green tree. Trust your money if you want to. God is my source. And I'll tell you, when Elijah walked through this little country town, he said to this woman, make me a cake. I'll tell you what it was. It was a test. It was a test to see where her allegiance lie. He said, make the man of God a cake first. You know what she did? She went back to the kitchen, and she made a cake, a pancake, some meal and oil, and she brought it out, and she gave it to the man of God. The Bible says she walked back into the kitchen to see if there's something to make for her and her boy, and there's oil in the cruise and meal in the barrel. So she made her son a cake. She got done and she come back and said, well, is there enough to make me one? And the Bible says the barrel of meal didn't waste and the cruise of oil did not fail until God sent rain back upon the land. If you put your trust in the Lord God Almighty, I'm telling you, God will sustain you through the roughest and the hardest and the darkest times of your life. It shows if you can trust me, God says. You see, let me say this, and I'm going to ask our ushers if you'll go ahead and come at this time. Let, let me show you something that I know. Out of control finances reveal an out of control life. 
Are you all with me? Don't worry about the ushers. They know the way down. They'll get here. An out-of-control finance. Out-of-control finances reveal an out-of-control life. Unmanaged finances are a symptom of an unmanaged life. Listen to me. I'm not completely out of debt, but I'm well on my way. Are you with me? Say amen. I told you over a year ago that I'm doing my debt level best within the next two and a half years or so to be out of debt except the house payment. And then I can chunk a pile of it every month because God wants us to owe no man anything except to love him. Are you with me? Say amen. I told the Lord driving down the road the other day, Lord, if I get out of debt, I can do more in the kingdom of God. And I'm not just begging. God knows that I'm a giver. He knows that. Anybody who knows me knows that. There's so many things that we have done to help right here in our own. I say, God, if you'll help me, if you'll help me show other people, if you'll help me show the harbor how to get out of debt where they can live an abundant life themselves, there is nothing, there is nothing that you can, that you can challenge us to do in this world that we won't set our mind to do and do it. If you'll help us. I'm telling you, God will hold up his end of the deal. You see, whoever can be trusted with little can be trusted with much. Whoever's dishonest with little will be dishonest with much. Let me say this. Money is a tool. You're taking notes. Money is a tool. Um, so Proverbs 14, 8 says, The wise man looks ahead. The fool attempts to fool himself, and he won't face the facts. Many of you will not look at your budget because you know it's blown. But I'm going to tell you something. I have these kinds of reality checks in that office real often. Not just about church budgets, but about church ministries and what we're doing and what's working and what's not. And that is to look honestly in the face of, of comrades in ministry and other brothers and sisters and say, is this really working or do we need to do something else we cannot sweep this thing under the rug and, and just say well you know it'll iron itself no 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 no. we're going to look at it and face the facts and then do something about it we have to do it and if you don't do that with your budget then your money's running you you're flying sort of by the seat of your pants hoping it'll all work out from hand to mouth never having enough it's not about how much you make it's about how well you manage what you've been blessed with I want to pray for you right now. I also want to, uh, I want to encourage you inside that packet that I have here. Listen, there's a number of things that you can do. I know Adam mentioned something a moment ago about signing up. There's two lines on the very back of that hay card. If you're willing to serve for Easter, maybe, maybe say, well, I'll serve Easter and I, I can't commit forever, whatever. Just write on those two lines, it says, uh, uh, in response to today's service, there's two blank lines. Just say, I will serve. And if you've got a preference, maybe you say, I'll serve in the parking lot. You say, I'll serve at the coffee bar and the juice bar. I'll be make some juice and some coffee. Uh, or I'll be a greeter. I'll be an usher. Uh, you know, all of that. Um, just say, I'll serve. And if you've got a preference, write it down. And if you don't care, just use me anywhere. So that'd be great. But then there's a tithe challenge in there. It's a 90-day deal write your name on that and if you do we'll write you a letter and sort of encourage you send you some stuff in the next few days um, to help you along and be faithful to God I'm gonna tell you the easiest way to be faithful and it's kind of brutal for you 
but it, it'll be there. And that is use the link and automate your giving. If I, you know what I do? On all the payments I have, I don't want to have to remember and then say, oh, Lord, have mercy, I am 10 days late. I don't want to do that. So I automate what's important. There's another envelope in there. You can do that if you want to. On the back of that envelope, if you open that flap up, you can do that, an automatic deal. Or you can set up recurring giving online, however you want to do it. really doesn't matter to me. But I'm telling you what makes it easier for me is for me to automate everything. I don't want to have to run down to the bank to make my car payment. Just draft it. We set it up for our church payment. Just draft it. We don't want to decide, well, we got to make a $10,000 payment or do we want to buy the No, we got to make the payment. That's a priority. That's part of budgeting. And so you need to do that. And God will help you. God will help you. You say, Pastor, I, I, I can't afford to, to make such a commitment. Let me say this. You, you cannot, you can't afford not to be faithful to God. It'll mess you up. You say, Pastor, you can't tell me mathematically how 90% of my income is going to go further than 100%. And you are absolutely right. I can't tell you. It is a mystery to me. It's one of the questions I'm going to ask God when I get up there. Is how did you take 90% and stretch it and make it go further? I don't know, but I do know this. He said, given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, shall men give unto your bosom. And, and well, what did Dr. Frito do? He gave to me. Um, he said, bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, says the Lord, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, there's not even room enough to receive. So as I pray for you, I want you to obey the Lord <coughs> with your giving. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every man, woman, boy, and girl that's here. I want them to change the way they think and use money. Lord, realizing that it's not their money, it's not my money, it's not the church's money, it's God's money. It's God's money. It's His possession. And I pray, God, that we would come to the realization that we are managers of God's money. We are to manage what He has given us. So I ask in the name of the Lord that you would do great and mighty things, turn their lives around, help them to get out of debt, to direct those dollars to the places they need to go to pay everything off. I pray in Jesus' name. And listen, as you 